0: Welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Thanks as ever to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, we'll talk Alex Scott as he makes an instant impact, helping Bournemouth to a first league win of the season in just his second
1: start. So I've only seen him twice, but it was like he's, he's, he has been there for a long time, and everyone around the club that you speak to about him says how mature he is, how much he's, he's fit in straight away. He looks like the sort of player that will fit suit this league perfectly, you know.
0: That's Born With Echo reporter Tom Crocker. More from him to come as we find out a bit more about Alex Scott's progress so far on the South Coast. Plus, we'll look back at another frustrating afternoon for GFC, who let a couple of points slip through their fingers at Foots Lane and round up all the weekend's pre League action as Alderney pick up their first point against the leaders. Rangers produce a late rally to beat Sylvan's and Saints Edge Champions Rovers. Um, lots to get into today. I'm Tony Kern with me um, to do that all this week is Gareth the Prevo Hi Tony Hey Gareth and uh, yeah we're going to be joined by James Fowler as well later in the pod um, to look back at the uh, domestic action of the weekend but I've uh, got to get used to saying this we're going to start with the Premier League because uh, um, yeah it was another Another day to remember for Alex Scott on Saturday, just his second start, his first 90 minutes um, for Bournemouth and a big win for them over Burnley. Uh, yeah, we spoke about watching him on Match of the Day. There was quite a lot to enjoy this week, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, he um, he looked uh, really, really sort of on the ball straight away, to be honest. I mean, it's, I wasn't sure if he'd make it through 90 minutes this weekend, having sort of very deliberately been only given 57 on his, on his debut. But uh, uh, needs must for Bournemouth at the moment with the with their shortage of midfielders and um, judging by what we've seen on the highlights and the sort of the clips that are going around on social media, he was uh, he was very good and very influential once again for Bournemouth and uh, yeah, it's a vital win for them.
0: Yeah, they've posted a, a little kind of highlight montage of his touches um, on social media today. I mean, amazingly enough, you know, for just this second game and as we say, his first um First full 90 in the Premier League. Um, you know, the, it's almost the kind of highlight reel we've been used to seeing in the last year or two at Bristol City. Um, just kind of so comfortable on the ball, getting out of tight spaces. Um, yeah, really, really positive in terms of everything he does and set pieces as well. Uh, you know, I saw quite a lot of commentary from the Bournemouth fans on Twitter over the weekend. They were sort of quite pleased to see somebody who could take a corner at last because um, his set pieces were fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Even in top top flight football, you, you find it's hard <laughs> to find someone who can take a corner. But uh, Alex seems to have mastered that one already. Um, and yeah, it's it's great that he's been given that responsibility, and they've got the um, the belief in him that he he's going to be sort of that important to them. You know, he's um, it's to get on a sort of set of pieces at, at that level. You you have to have the belief from your teammates. And um, yeah, he 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 went close with a great effort as well from about twenty five yards with a free kick that I've seen. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it just shows sort of how highly he's thought of there. Obviously, even though he's sort of like he's played a grand total of sort of 140 minutes for the club so far. And um, yeah, it's, you don't want to say they're sort of pinning all their hopes on him, because obviously they've got good players around him, um, and uh, certainly they scored a couple of cracking goals at the weekend. Um, for, obviously, it was his former Bristol City sort of teammate, Antoine Semenyo, who, who's got the equaliser with a really good goal, and then uh, Philip Billing, 100-something, which I sort of expect from you, T-City, you know, <laughs> that 40-yard look up and see the keeper off his line and just execute brilliantly
0: yeah usually you would sort of dribble uh, well, i've scored from 40 yards actually but I'd t- yeah i'll say, I'll say again um well i have scored from 40 yards well probably about 35 yards actually but it was such a tame shot that i'd sort of turned round and assumed the keeper was just going to gobble it up and uh yeah so sort of heard a heard a cry this is this was at bells a few years ago and uh, yeah somehow it's uh, squirmed in so yeah haven't tried it since to be fair um that no, was a uh, was a fantastic afternoon for Bournemouth. You can already sense the buzz building around Alex. And it is so early on in his um, in his Bournemouth career, obviously just coming back from that long term injury. We wanted to check in on the ground in Bournemouth just to see um, what the buzz is like there at the moment, and uh, yeah, and how they've warmed um, to Alex. And we did that with um, Tom Crocker of the Bournemouth Echo, their chief sports writer. Tom, thanks for sparing some time. Great to have you on the pod.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, we were going to chat to you last week, but we we held off a week and um, yeah, I'm pleased we did because, uh, yeah, fantastic result for Bournemouth on Saturday. Um, helped uh, in no small part by Alex Scott's presence on the day. Um, yeah, there was lots to enjoy, and lots to talk about. First of all, though, just give us a sense of, of how big that win is for, for Bournemouth and the manager as well.
1: Yeah, I think we've definitely timed it a lot better this week. The mood is a lot happier from everyone. And like I say, Alex played a, a bigger part again this week. But yeah, the, it's, it's been a tough start to the season. Um, there's no sort of getting away from a new manager. Everyone was desperate for him to get that win to sort of calm all the noise down around the club and everything. And now they've got that win on Saturday, hopefully. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got tough games coming up, but just looking ahead now, I think that's just lifted everyone and calmed, calmed things down and everyone's a bit more positive about about things going forward now.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And you can sense well certainly looking at social media the club itself as well um there is a bit of buzz already about Alex and he's only played a game and a half um what what was it like um watching him in action on on Saturday and yeah is there a real bit of expectation already around him
1: yeah definitely I mean especially because of the results at the start of the season I mean when he was signed there was excitement obviously everyone knew he was injured for a bit which was, wasn't ideal but then as the as the weeks ticked by and they weren't getting the wins, so he was sort of built up to be this saviour before he even played a game, really. Everyone was sort of waiting to see what he could do. And um, yeah, it tied to comeback time perfectly, really, with especially last weekend against Wolves. They, they needed somebody to come in and play midfield. They were short, short numbers again. And he came in and started probably ahead of time, really, probably not quite fully up to speed, but they needed someone in that midfield. And he came and played a big part in the goal against Wolves on his debut. Um, yeah, he played about an hour, which was very much his limit I think of what he could have made on that day and then played the full 90 at the weekend and yeah, very impressed, impressive performance. I think the fans are all very excited already by what he's doing and yeah, he just looks like exactly the sort of player they need at the moment.
2: Uh, Tom, can you just um, sort of give an outline as to what um, actual position Alex has sort of played for so far for Bournemouth? Because obviously we sort of see him perhaps a bit more as a perhaps a 10 and an attacking midfielder but um, judging by the, the the team sheets, we've seen what have you, he's perhaps been playing a bit deeper than that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's sort of been through necessity really. I mean, the manager asked him about this and we've asked him and he said he sees him as an eight mainly or a 10. So that's, he sees him going forwards more, but with problems they've got in midfield at the moment against Wolves, he was sort of an eight. So there's a more advanced of the the two sort of holding midfielders, if you like, but driving the forward with the ball, picking it up occasionally from the defenders as well. So yeah, he was doing that role. And then at the weekend with Lewis cook banned, he had to drop in and play a bit deeper again. Um Again, just for necessity, I don't think that's the plan long-term at all for him, really. But at the moment, they just need to get him in the team and the rest of the midfielders all sort of attacking-minded. So he seems to be the one which, even at this early stage, Ariola Trust is the one to to be that guy picking on the ball and driving with it from from deeper positions already. So I think, looking forward, he's going to probably play as sort of the number eight in the in the team. I think that's the plan for him, given they've got quite a few numbers, sort of number 10s. Um, and then yeah, I think he can play further forward as well. So it's, it's interesting because he, he seems to just fit him in wherever he, wherever he can in that midfield. He seems quite happy dropping him in even at this early stage, which is very encouraging.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's come back at just the right time, for Viriola as well. Uh, what, what's he had to say about him? Um, so sort of, well, so far, but also yeah, post the the Burnley game.
1: Yeah, like I say, he's he's admitted he's he's probably played him too soon for ideally, really from what from the injury and things. Obviously, he's. He's fit to play, but not match sharp. He never played at this, this level before either. So to throw him in, especially with the suspension to Lewis Cook at the weekend, they were very short of numbers. Um, and again, he probably would have ideally tried to take him off in the second half but with the way the game was going. They needed a goal and he was one of the better players on the pitch. So he, he kept him on for 90 and hopefully he's come throughout that all okay. But yeah, he's already praising him highly after the game. He sort of, And from the people we speak to around, he's he's much sort of more mature and experienced than his age would suggest i think that's the the general consensus and he doesn't see him as a, a young midfielder really he sees him as a experienced head he's i think his quote was his his spirit and his soul is good for the team which is just quite an interesting quote he's already come out with so early into <laughs> seeing him for a couple of games I mean, it's, yeah but he's i can see what he means in those he gets the ball and drives the team already he seems like he's trying to stamp some sort of authority very quickly on the on the game like I say he played a big role on his debut with a with the goal with the build up to the goal and then on saturday i think what stood out for me i think when they were 2-1 they were pretty in control suddenly bernie started getting back into it towards the end and he was just he's got on the ball in his own sort of his own third really and just calm on the ball beat your man and, and set the ball at the pitch i mean he's, he's no no panicking from him even in that sort of stage of pressure of a game so yeah i think that's that's something that's, that stood out for me and he's, he's someone that i think is going to be very very important to the team and probably in the team every week i can imagine if he stays fit
2: yeah, it's something that um, certainly people back here who know Alex well, certainly Tony Vance, um, our Guernsey FC manager, has said to me many, many times, Tom, that uh, Alex, he relishes every step up that he's taken. He, he never looks sort of out of place or anything. Do, do you find that um, in the first couple of games he's played uh, Premier League wise, he, he sort of relished the role rather than uh, shown any nerves?
1: Yeah, 100%. I'd say I haven't had a chance to speak to him yet, but I mean, it's it's remarkable, really, how he's just, just slotted straight in at, at 20 years old and coming into the team in midfield, like the heart of midfield. And like I say, the fans are really very excited. And he's it, that it that probably is the, the one thing you would say, he just doesn't look out of place at all. It looks like he's been playing the Premier League for eight for years. And um, it's it's hard to, you have to try and remind yourself he is only 20, really, because I think going forward, everyone's going to be expecting it week after the week off the week. And it's that is probably the big thing is whether he can do it consistently, as you've just just played two games now and the next three games whether he plays in the cup i'm not sure but man city in the league at the weekend away and newcastle after that i mean they're obviously two very different challenges to see what he can do against opposition like that as well but yeah he's very much the type of player that they want in the team and yeah i'm excited to see how he can get on against the top level midfielders he's going to come up against in the next few weeks
0: yeah and it's still early days for Irayola. um from what you know so far and, and speaking to him um do you get the sense that, that he's the kind of the right sort of manager to get the best out of Alex?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know exactly. I mean, from what he's saying about him, he very much sees him as, as the guy that he wants to get in the team and the, sort of build things around him a little bit. They brought Tyler Adams in to play the deeper role and he's obviously he's injured now, won't play until the new year. So they've had to rejig things a little bit in that midfield because they don't really have a proper holding midfielder. So, um, yeah, I think he's very much going to be someone they, they build things around if they can hopefully keep him fit now after that that injury problem he had um yeah it's, it's whether obviously you hope Uriela can be the, the guy to get the best out of him from the early signs it seems like very much this is the, the style that suits Alex Scott so hopefully the two can sort of marry together well for the next few months and, and it becomes quite a good relationship between the pair of them
2: yeah, the one thing when um, when Alex came to Bournemouth in the summer, Tom over here, I mean, we are very biased when it comes to this, but we actually thought you had quite a snip there at sort of what's been sort of twenty-five million pound deal. Um, is, is that the sort of impression you're getting there now that um, you you've, you know you, you've got a very uh, good asset on your hands there?
1: Yeah, I mean, someone that obviously the, the club know very well from the fact he was here when he, when he was a kid as well. So he's someone that's in the system, if you like, and he's I think when they got the deal done, they were they felt it was a good deal for the price as well, even, even sort of, let's say 25 million for someone who's never played in the league is from the outside, a few eyebrows raised maybe, but I mean, it's given what he'd done in the championship, I think there were a lot of clubs after him. Um, I think Wolves obviously a big one and then getting that deal done, pushing the boat out and getting it done with Bristol City. And they've had a few deals with Bristol City in the recent years as well. So um yeah, I think it was very much one of the sort of high on their shopping list to get done this summer. And I think you look at it now and you, you price tag, you don't think you can really, no one's going to really complain too much, about I'm actually paid for him at the moment. Obviously, he is caveat by saying he's only played two games, but from the yeah. early this is it is very encouraging. Oh, well, you can
0: expect to see a lot of Guernsey flags, I think, in uh, in and around Bournemouth over the next few weeks. Yeah, months. I, was,
2: I was going to say, that I think there's quite a few from his sort of home club at St. Martin's over here who are planning to come over for the Liverpool game in the in the League Cup. So I, I hope he does get some game time.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it'll all be on fitness, really. I think if obviously if he's fit enough to play, then he'll. He'll very much be be involved i think we'll find out a bit more tomorrow on that but um yeah i think the only thing is he's played probably more than he should have done really for for the big injury he had so i don't think they want to rush rush him back but that said Iriola does take the cups very seriously so um if he can be involved in three sure will be it's very early to, to say too too much i've only seen him twice but it was like he's, he's he has been there for a long time And everyone around the club that you speak to about him says how mature he is, how much he's, he's feared in straight away. Um, and yeah, it's just, he looks like the sort of player that will fit this league perfectly. You know, he's got this the, the Guernsey Grealish nickname which which follows him around. And yeah, you can see by the way he runs to the ball and things. He's, he's going to be an exciting player to watch, I think. Yeah, we can't
0: wait to see how he develops over there, Tom. Thanks uh, for spending some time. So we pop up on Football Focus on the weekend. You know, you've done a bit for Marker as well, but this is clearly the uh, the, the football, the media cameo of the week for you. So uh... it's, been all
1: leading. it's all been leading to this.
0: <laughs> this is the pinnacle of your career, mate. <laughs> no, we really appreciate you uh, spending some time uh, with us, and um, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat again because yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting few weeks and months ahead.
1: Yes, absolutely, perfect.
0: Bournemouth Echo Chief sports writer Tom Crocker there. Uh, Gareth Yeh mentioned the games that are coming up. Um, it is a big little run for <laughs> Bournemouth Um uh, Liverpool at home in the League Cup on Wednesday night. Um, then it's a, a trip to Man City on Saturday, and then Newcastle um, going down there on the 11th of November for 5:30 kickoff. Um, but then a, and then a trip to Sheffield United after that. Obviously, Sheffield United struggling. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few games. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how uh, yeah how much Alex is involved in that game against Liverpool.
2: Yeah, um, I, I got the impression sort of a couple of weeks ago that was the one he was targeting to be his return game. But obviously he's been he's been flying in training, and got back earlier than that, so it might be a case of that's one he's rested for. Um, Liverpool obviously playing very well in League Cup. You expect they'll, they'll make a few changes to their starting team. So um, yeah, you, you know it wouldn't be a huge surprise if Bournemouth were to get something from that game. But yeah, it's the it's the probably the couple after that. that the trip to Man City, I'm sure. Alex will absolutely love that. Just um, and Bournemouth will go there with no expectation. Nobody will have any expectations other than a Man City win. You'd have thought so. That might just be the chance to really shine on on that occasion, and then. Um yeah, and then it's, it's down to your boys, Newcastle, Town. Who will you be supporting in that? I bet you want Alex to score a hat-trick in a 4-3 yeah, defeat. Yeah,
0: that would be very nice. It's interesting, Yeah, as I say, casting my eye over the, uh, the social media commentary of, of Bournemouth's game at the weekend. Obviously, a lot of Bournemouth fans getting quite excited about Alex. A lot of Bristol City fans bemoaning the fact that he's no longer theirs. And uh, yeah, a bit of a sort of double whammy for them at the weekend with Nigel Pearson um, uh, leaving his post as manager of the Robins. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, Nigel Pearson someone who's always going to figure very uh very prominently in Alex Scott's football career
2: yeah that's right he was the man in charge of the Robins when Alex made his breakthrough into senior football so um he's sort of got a, the, the Guernsey lads got a lot to thank Nigel for and I know sort of from the time we spoke to Alex best part of a couple of years ago now I suppose um he held him in very high regard he, he said um, Nigel would do anything for the players so um yeah it's, it's a shame it obviously hasn't quite worked out for him at, at Bristol City it, it sort of shows the the cutthroat nature of the uh, of the business. When I think he was the second longest serving manager in the championship, and he'd he'd been there since two thousand and twenty one. So it, it sort of it, it just sh- shows how the how football works, really. But uh, yeah, and like you say, also about um, Semenyo and Alex coming from um, Bristol City. I, was, I think they were the two highest ranked players in their in their match on on Saturday <laughs> by the sort of the public vote as well. So uh, yeah, Bristol City obviously. <laughs> obviously <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's that double-edged sword, isn't it? Really, you, you're very, you've got the, the fact that you've you've developed those two players, and, and you've sort of earned back from them from from the transfer fees they've earned from them. But um, you'd probably much rather them in your side than playing in a different club.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, well, we'll see whether um, whether yeah one of the other two Guernsey lads at Bristol can uh, can make that breakthrough next. I know there's a bit of been a bit of injury around. Obviously, we spoke to Tim Option, um last season, um, who had a serious knee injury, but we understand is getting close to coming back into sort of playing fitness which is um, really encouraging to hear ben ac as well you will have noticed uh, hasn't been appearing in the under 21 team sheets for for bristol city for a little while but we gather he's still um still nursing an injury and maybe a couple of weeks away so um yeah we wish them all the best with those recoveries and uh yeah can't wait to see uh, what they do when they're back match fit um well let's have a look at uh what their former club uh, gfc were up to on saturday because uh, we were both down at foots lane for their game against the metropolitan police plenty of puns around on social media and in the paper gareth couldn't resist
2: well yes i, I did have to put a couple in you know <laughs> it would have been a missed opportunity if i hadn't but um, yeah it was, uh, it was it was more the, it wasn't police puns that uh, ended up being the order of the day because um it was i did find it quite amusing almost in the end that, uh, that a guy called liam beach was keeping gfc at bay in, in goal for the for the police he, he had an outstanding game and Looking back on it, you know, if just one of those efforts, there's there's a period in the second half when when GFC were one up and trying to sort of extend their lead, that he made sort of three outstanding saves in the space of about four minutes, and it was just a it just turned out to be a very decisive moment in the game or decisive period in the game, um, and then of course um, yeah right at the death GFC got hit by a bit of a sucker punch. Probably quite a lot of their own doing, really, because, yeah, I know that Tony Vance was a bit um, miffed that having already had a bit of a warning shot put across their bowels, that um, they didn't prevent a ball coming in from the right. And, uh, yeah, it was was volleyed home by by Mason Galloway in in injury time. So it was was very much two points dropped rather than one gained on this occasion because GFC were the better side. Um, It was a game really looking back. They should have won. They need to be winning those games. Um, So it was a frustrating afternoon more than anything. But there was a, a lot to be impressed with as well. You know, it, it, it's that double edged sword again. Really, first half they were they were excellent. They dominated the game. They they took that lead through through an own goal, which was um, very well worked move by GFC with Keen Domar really nice turn and Matt Loring, who's just flying at the moment, heavily involved. He tried to pick out Sam Murray, and as it turned out, it was a defender who got the final touch in. But um, yeah, it was a quality goal and. Just needed that second goal because it would have killed them off. You just you just get the impression that two goal lead against that a young visiting side who who looked quite inexperienced. They weren't they weren't quite as streetwise as you expect from visitors at that level. You usually expect a lot of noise, a lot of sort of uh, uh, antics going on. You didn't get that at all from the Met Police. I, I thought they were they played some neat football in the second half. Funnily enough, both sides were better going into the wind, but they didn't look particularly threatening. Um in saying that, you have to admit, Josh Addison made a couple of good saves as well. But yeah, it's just come the end of that game. It really was one of those that you just feel that it was, um, you've you've let two points slip there. We we should have won that game.
0: Yeah, really disappointing in the end. I thought they were a really good GFC for, for a lot of the game. As you say, that period in the second half where they were sort of know, camped on the edge of the box, kind of peppered, peppered the goal, a few set pieces, a few corners um but yeah just couldn't find a way through and um yeah definitely a great shame that they they couldn't close it out because uh but yeah as you say it was a really good opportunity wasn't it
2: yeah it was um so yeah first half very much dominant start the second half i thought the police played quite well and and we took or gfc took time to sort of get going again second half and then it sort of sparked into life by an audacious effort by charlton govine who hit one from well, I was going to say,
0: actually, it's quite similar to Philip Billings. It was. Yeah. Yeah, but it was
2: actually further away. It was, yeah. like, inside is uh, inside the, the centre circle. But he, he did look up and saw, saw the keeper, Beach, sort of well off his line, and he gave it a go. And it turned into a great save by Beach, that one. He managed to tip it away, unlike the um, the Burnley keeper, uh, James Trafford, who got very close to saving it but wasn't able to. It was a very similar uh, attempt. Um, but that really sprung, you know, sparked Guernsey FC into life. And in the next couple of minutes, Kesman went re- Kesman went really close with a great effort from a, a nice set piece sort of corner routine. And then um, Matt Loring, all of about 30 seconds later, sort of hit a shot on the turn, which seemed destined for the top corner. And again, Beach just clawed it away. And, and that's when you start thinking, oh, dear, this could back to come back to bite us a bit here because... Um, it might not be one of our afternoons when it when it really should have been, and yeah, sure enough, um, we ended up picking up just the one point when really three would have been uh, would have been perhaps deserved. But yeah, we we have only really got ourselves to blame on that one.
0: Yeah, and a late red card um, for Keane Doyle as well. Got a second yellow for for kicking the ball away. I, I gather not. Well, he says he didn't hear the whistle. I actually thought Keane was really good on the day and was pretty unlucky not to come away with a couple of goals. Um, the, the the GFC goal was given as an own goal, but it was um, yeah, you know, his pressure and. He had it in the, in the net as well in the second half, uh, which was given offside. There weren't too many protests about that, but he took it, you know, he, he still finished it off nicely and, and took it as well as he could. So, um, yeah, I, thought, I was quite impressed with him.
2: Yeah, yeah, I thought he did play well. Um, I mean, to be fair, the, the, although he did have it in the net, I mean, the offside flag had been raised a long time before that move sort of finished off. But yeah, he had a big say in that in our goal. Um, he, uh, he he made a nuisance of himself, and uh, he he did have a, a good game. I thought it was one of those. He actually got booked in the first half for for a bit of a lunge. It, it was a fair enough yellow, you know. There's no complaints about that one. But when the when his second yellow came, sort of just right at the end of the game, it was almost that the first yellow had been forgotten by a lot of people in the stand. And it was sort of like when when the yellow came out, I, w- I was sort of checking back through my notes, thinking I've got a feeling he's been booked here, and sure enough, he had been. And um, unfortunately, it's going to mean a suspension in the terms of that game it made no difference whatsoever I mean uh, we were actually leading 1-0 at the time but um, it, you know it didn't lead to their, their equaliser or anything like that so um, it would just mean sort of one, one week's rest for Keane but I thought generally he did quite well like, like most of the side they, they all did they all played well um, you know there was some good performances in there I thought Dave Real had another very good game sort of in a, another uh, different role you know he sort of pops up wherever Tony Vance needs him and he can always do a job um, and it was obviously good to see Charlton getting more minutes under his belt, um, finishing um, his stint in the game with a nice bandage around his head after sort of wearing one for the team in an in a accidental aerial sort of head clash. Um, but yeah, so it's, it was just a shame the way that game finished off, but you you could almost see it coming. <laughs> it was just, and, it, and yeah, inevitably it did come. It's typical of GFC's luck.
0: Yeah, well, let's hear what Tony Vance had to make of it. You spoke to him at full time. Tanya,
3: does that feel like a bit of a kick in the guts and not to take three points from that one? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, to be honest, the second half, we, we were loose. We weren't in control of the game and, and it was a bit like basketball, which um, you know was, was different to the first half. I thought we were, bar, bar a period, pretty good and um, deserved to be ahead. Uh, what you need is goals sometimes when it's a bit wobbly and uh, their their goalkeeper did everything he could to keep the ball out of the net. So that tells a story. Um you know, we 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 deserve three points, but when it's one nil, and then you you end up with ten men, <laughs> it can be a little bit wobbly. And, and uh, you know, for me, it was frustrating because we'd had a warning sign with the um, with the cross coming in, um, which we didn't we didn't we shouldn't be allowing, uh, and that was too easy, and, and they should have scored and they didn't. So, and then five minutes later, same thing happened again, and uh, you know that was poor, really. You know, as I said. Um, So, it gave them the opportunity to to get something from the game. I mean, the fact that you were down to 10 by that point didn't really have a huge impact on that equaliser, did it, really? No, absolutely not. You know, I mean, as I say, everyone, you know, I'm not blaming Keane at all. You know, obviously, uh, that didn't make a difference at all. Um, Maybe a little bit of shape, but ultimately, that was nothing down to us being 10 men. That was just, we should have stopped the cross. And, uh, you know, that's an area of the game that we need to be better at. Um, We've been okay at it, really. But um, so, as I say, Unfortunately, probably where we lost our way was we just we just didn't get control of the game in the second half and and allowed it to be a bit of a basketball game. Yeah, and um,
2: the way that your luck has been going this season, or, or bad luck perhaps, um, you you almost perhaps expect to the fact that you haven't doubled your lead or sort of increased your lead in that second half. You you always run that
3: risk of, of conceding late on. Yeah, I mean I was never comfortable to be honest, and and uh, because it just you know, see so you're, you're trying to chuck. Formation changes, or trying to chuck tra- personnel changes, to try and see us over the line because you know bringing Owen on would have gave us a little bit of an outlet, but um, everything else was about probably you know we weren't going to be able to go and open them up with with other substitutes. So more about containing, and uh, we tried to do that um, because, as I say, technically it wasn't working for us really. Um, so um, yeah, and, and as you say, it seems to be our luck at the moment, um, but. Here we are frustrated that we got a point <laughs> uh and so that perhaps is is a sign of things to come hopefully we've got now we've got a, probably our toughest challenge yet is Wednesday night away at Chertsey which is um which is if if you're gonna sort of um put a, an example that's that's like your classic can you can you do it? On a Tuesday night at Stoke, mm. this is this is our this is our version of that. So um, we need to be really resolute on Wednesday night to, to get something out of that game.
0: Tony Vance speaking to you there. Gareth, uh, well, let's see if they can do it on a uh, on a wet Wednesday in Jersey. Um, yeah, busy week for the Greenlands. After that trip, um, uh, midweek, they go to Hartley-Whitney uh, on Saturday. So, um, yeah, we'll be following uh, their progress closely this week. And you can, of course, read more coverage uh, in the pages of the Guernsey Press. Uh, right, Jim Fowler has joined us to talk about the FNB Premier League. Jim, plenty to talk about from the Premier League this weekend. Um, I know you were down at Blanche Lane to see Saints beat Rovers 1-0. But let's just start with probably the story of of the domestic weekend. And that was Alderney picking up their first point.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think what this weekend shows is what people are quite often saying about the Premier League. Uh, The standard of it uh, could be quite a bit better but the uh, the entertainment and excitement is kind of top drawer and uh, you know when when you get top versus bottom uh, and uh, and that ends up in the draw that's kind of you know ideal for the uh, for the neutral if, if uh, you know if there are such uh, people in in Guernsey football so um yeah i mean Alderney's first point for uh, 14 months uh, for something like 26 games or something, you know, something like that, um, and I must admit, obviously, with now with a Alderney connection, club connection, I uh, uh, was kind of you know, frantically refreshing the um, uh, the, the ValeRec Twitter in the second half to see if Alderney were well, uh, hanging on initially to a nil-nil and then to a one-nil lead, and then saving a penalty and then eventually uh, drawing one-one. So. Uh, great goal from Liam Connor, who's a young midfielder, who sadly apparently has now fractured his ankle in the game. So, I mean, that's the kind of fortune that Alderney just don't need. You know, when you've got a paper thin squad already to lose a key player who's going to play 20 games a season um you know to that kind of injury is uh it's not great news for them at all um but it goes to show you know nobody's going to fancy going up to Alderney particularly in the weather that uh both Vailrec and Rovers have experienced in the last um in the last two weekends going up there because I guess it wasn't uh wasn't the, the most hospitable
0: yeah challenging conditions um Alderney of course uh Beat Saints, did not they on home soil a couple of seasons ago? You watched um, Saints against Rovers this weekend. The the two most recent uh, Premier League champions.
4: Yeah, well, it's remarkable to say that to think that yeah that that uh, that Saints went uh, what less one well, less than eighteen months ago just concluded a uh, you know a, a, an unbeaten league season because blimey they're a changed team now. I mean I think there were I reckon there were three starting players in the team who were in that uh, Premier League winning squad uh and frankly, they got a one nil win by more or less getting into the rover's half once I mean you know fair play, i guess you know you <laughs> you take your chance but um you know uh, rovers will be at, you know uh, as I'm tempted to say you know shoot themselves in the foot, but they'd miss i mean the uh, the the amount of chances that they failed to take or indeed indeed even failed to make you know for so much uh quality on the pitch and so much possession and territory in the game. Blimey, yeah, so so toothless without a uh, without a centre forward. You know, I don't want to keep on banging on about Finn Whitmore, but they just haven't found a replacement for him, and it's really hurting them. Now, they their last five matches, they've scored two goals, and they've both been scored by a guy who last year
0: was playing uh, railway football at centre forward. Yeah, finished one nil to Saint Martins um, at Blanchpearl. Lady. you spoke to Wayne Duport full time.
5: Wayne, well done, one nil win, but very much against the odds, didn't you think? Yeah, definitely. When you when you play Rovers, you know they're gonna you know they're gonna work hard for 90 minutes. Like the Kev's always got them, you know, set up properly. You know what I mean? They, they all know their jobs, and that's why they're prayer champions. You know what I mean? They're really really hard to break down. Um, we set up we set up a little bit not to concede at corners and throw-ins because we definitely know that's you know a strong suit of Rovers. And the boys, to be fair, they implemented everything I want from. Them. So yeah, really really good.
4: But I, you, the the facts kind of say you one shot, one goal, job done.
5: Yeah, I'll take that, mate. We we do that every game, mate. We win the Premier League, you know what I mean. But yeah, it was a barrage. Let's not let's not go away from the fact. You know, Rovers were on top. We tried to play a bit of football on that pitch, as everyone knows. It's it's really heavy. All the players are saying, "Oh, you know, a struggle. Out, it was out there." But yeah, in the end, we've we've broken and we've taken our chance. And you know, luckily for us, Rovers didn't take their chances.
4: Yeah, true. Uh, and your squad. I mean, I was looking at the team today. Two years ago, you won the Premier unbeaten. I reckon there's three starters in that team today that started then how has there been such massive change of personnel at launch PLA in, in that
3: period
5: but you look at you look at when we're scoring the goals where we went on beat for the whole season you know the, the, two years ago you have people like Danny Hale you have people like Dom Yeom you know what I mean obviously Louis, Louis Hunter's gone traveling George Mason's gone traveling um, we've got a few boys out today but we have got Etienne Laprovo to come back you know we've got uh, Harvey Lear to come back um, there's probably a couple of others I'm missing you know what I mean so we, we've got a strong squad you know, I mean, as you can see we're bringing bringing the um the youth fruit. It's great to see Jack back again to start, he's sixteen. You know what I mean? We want to give you you youth up a run out. So yeah, we've got a really good youth, youth set up. We've got eight eight guys in the under twenty ones, you know, squad. So no, it's all it's all good, it's all positives.
4: And uh, what's your ambition now for this uh with this team? Where do you think you can end the season? I'm not, I'm
5: not, you know, at the end of the day, I want, to win, I want to win every trophy I enter, you know what I mean, but the bottom line is we are going for a transition, there's no doubt about that, you know what I mean, you know, you look at us last year, we weren't playing great football at all last year, you know, I used to come up here and watch and it wasn't great to watch, so we're trying to we're trying to implement a football style in the side, but we know it's not going to be easy, but we have got experience, we've got youth and we've got the in-between, so hopefully, you know, the future's bright for St Martins Football Club.
0: Wayne Duport there uh, speaking to you Jim um, the other I mean, I, it, it, Wayne's right I mean you know I mean, at
4: least he recognised that his team was uh, was you kind know, of absolutely dominated uh, by Rovers but as he says you know if, if you carry on uh, and just keep on winning those kind of games then uh, fair play that will get you places you know so I guess definitely he uh, was the happier of the two managers at uh, BPL on Saturday
0: yeah so Martin's uh, second in the pre-league table at the end of the weekend um, just a point behind Rec um yeah. Mm-hmm. It's north in third, rovers in fourth, and rangers fifth, all on nine points. After rangers um, left it very, very late and uh, came back to win three-two against Sylvans.
4: I mean, I've just seen photographs of that game, but it had all, all, all. Apart from Shane Billions' appearance, it has all the hallmarks of being an under-18 fixture. You know, uh, the amount of kids playing in that game is uh, ridiculous, and I believe they met each other in the under-18s uh, the following afternoon, where Sylvans got their revenge with with a two-one win, which throws the under-18s league open. But I mean, yeah, fair. Play to um, uh, to Rangers, you know, Chris Tardif. Uh, I think it's been slower than he would have wanted, but he's kind of uh, getting there a little bit in terms of uh, what he wants his team to do, and and they will uh, they will relish the position that they're in at the moment. And, and and you know to be fair they're scoring goals.
0: Couple of uh, GFA Cup matches uh, this midweek if they survive the weather. Um, Saints taking on Bells. Wreck um, against Rangers Div Two. Um, then on Saturday it's Rangers Rovers in the Prio and Wreck against Bells. And there's another GFA Cup match Sylvans against um, Sylvans Div Two. So we'll uh, we'll see how many of those games uh, survive the weather this week. It's uh, I think set to be fairly. Grim. Unsettled, shall we say. Um, as grim as a Rob space face <laughs> on a touchline.
2: Unsettled is the biggest understatement you've
0: come out with since,
2: <laughs> since you said you scored from 35 yards earlier in this podcast.
0: Yeah, do remember was remember when I turned around before yeah, the ball yeah, actually reached the, the goal. The, the ball didn't actually
4: reach the back of the net, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, had the wheels to creep
0: over the line. Yeah, wasn't my best goal. Um, <laughs> This is opening up a can. Yeah, true. <laughs> I might write them next week. I might write them. Oh, well, both of them. Top three of top three four. <laughs> It'll be a very short program. <laughs> uh, right, I think we'll leave it there. Anything else to, to raise? Any rants?
2: Well, no, I've got no rants, and I'm sure he won't thank me for this, but <laughs> I just want... I just want to say, un- unlucky to Sam, the hero, who's gone viral, probably for the, all the wrong reasons, with his astonishing own goal against Brelard, And it, it has gone worldwide, it seems, but he seems to be taking it in decent heart. <laughs> it's an absolute cracking finish if you haven't seen it. Yeah, been picked up by the uh, viral football accounts. Uh, I've got a little rant,
4: actually. It didn't uh, occur on Saturday, but I've been thinking about this in previous weekends. Can we please have some kind of moratorium against shouting foul throw anytime somebody... Oh, should be an instant booking. <laughs> ...anytime somebody does anything that's vaguely unusual, like bend their knees or something <laughs> when, when they throw. You know, the major- if you don't know how to take a throw in, frankly, you shouldn't be on a, on a pitch. It, it takes about five minutes to learn when you're six or seven years old, you know. But... You know the amount of people who shout foul throw anytime anybody does anything that, that's beyond the, the norm or hurling it into uh, you know trying to hurl it 60 yards it just you know it's frustrating
2: i often wondered actually jim you're a referee do we really need the laws for the throw-in. Wouldn't it just be great if people could throw in however they like, like a goalkeeper bowling it over? You you get more set-piece routines and all that sort of stuff. I don't think there's any need to have all these bloody um, pernickety little rules as to how many feet need to be on the floor and
4: all that. It's a fair point, but there is, uh, I think, because at one point there was was some semi-serious discussion about replacing throw-ins with kick-ins. And the problem there, of course, with, no, with there being no offside on a throw-in, is that, yeah, uh, and, yeah, throwing almost anywhere, you know, within 10 yards of the halfway line in your own box could become a long ball routine, pump it into the penalty spot and uh, yeah, and, and have a go from there kind of thing. So I guess, you know, if you could bowl it one arm or something, then you could clearly you get a longer distance than you currently uh, do. So I think it would um, it would harm the game if uh,
0: if, if that was allowed. Yeah, you uh, could just simplify it, just think. say you've got to have two hands on the ball, but it doesn't matter what your feet
2: do. Well, I just don't see the need. I mean, I'd, I'd actually... I was thinking more actually watching the GFC game the other day people were trying to do a throw into someone literally about two yards in front of them almost underarm it to them and you just get off get on with the game that way Get your email into ifab,
0: Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what I'm happens. I'm not that fast, but you know,
4: <laughs> is Gareth a kind of ifab
0: man or, or, or more kind of FIFA delegate man? <laughs> get the blazer on, get it, get it settled. Um, let's leave it there. We'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press football podcast. Looking ahead to the under 21 Marathi, which is uh just a couple of Sundays away. Yeah, it's crept up quick, isn't it? it has look forward to the next pod um thanks again to rehoid son for their support of the show um you can read much more local football coverage of course in the pages of the guernsey press um uh, including reports on rec and rangers um in tuesday's paper so uh, do have a look at that um as i say we'll be back next monday so uh, yeah cheers guys cheers, cheers.